Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Today's a special day. It's Tuesday, and on Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday. Each week, we get the chance to dial in our members around the world to share with us some of the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to learn more about doing business in Northern Ireland. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Gareth Walls, a partner at AL Goodbody. Gareth, good to see you today. How are you? Very good. Very good. Great to hear from you and great to be part of this for the ELA. So let's talk about Northern Ireland. For those that know Ireland, that's certainly something that they recognize on the map right at the top is Northern Ireland, but it is actually its own jurisdiction and a lot of folks don't know that. So give us a general overview, if you can, about the economy, the population, anything else you think is important. Sure. So Actually, this is quite a, an auspicious year for Northern Ireland because going in a little bit back into our history, Northern Ireland became a separate state within the island of Ireland 100 years ago. And our capital city is Belfast. So while partition for Ireland has been a difficult thing politically and for generations gone by, in recent years, we've seen Northern Ireland emerge from the troubles, which I'm sure some of you will have heard of. And it's becoming really quite a vibrant little economy. And quite unusually, especially post-Brexit, we are still part of the United Kingdom and the other constituent parts of the United Kingdom are England, Scotland and Wales. But we are also the only part of the United Kingdom now post-Brexit, which shares a land border with the EU, the European Union, in the form of the Republic of Ireland. So two completely distinct legal jurisdictions, two completely different currencies, etc. And in fact, From a legal perspective, we're much more aligned to law as established in England, Scotland and Wales than we are with the law established in the Republic of Ireland. And in terms of the economy, last year, figures give and take a few million here or there. We had a turnover of just over 67 billion sterling. That's good British pounds. That equates to around about 100 billion US dollars. Slight downward trend in that from 19 to 2020 due to the recession, due to COVID, due to managing all those really tricky issues. But nevertheless, vibrant economy and a little bit of a hot spot within the United Kingdom for IT. It's one of our big, big industries. We are really a little bit of an infrastructure and IT hub to really world-leading universities in Northern Ireland, putting a lot of graduates into software engineering and soft tech generally. And consequently, we're punching above our weight globally in relation to that sector in particular. That sounds interesting. So with tech being such a big resource there, is there also some outsourcing there where other companies around the world are putting operations in Northern Ireland? Yeah, really interesting. Even in the legal sector, there's a really big dynamic over the last four or five years whereby U.S. law firms, U.K.-based London law firms are back-officing, outsourcing near shoring, white labeling, call it what you like. There's a lot of that inward investment into Northern Ireland of the international businesses because they're discovering that we have really good level of undergraduates, really good level of professionalism. Unusually, because we're quite a small island state, we don't have a huge geographical movement of our employees. So generally, employers are finding that you're finding really well-educated, really dedicated people that want to stay with one particular location. So quite unusually in the current dynamic, you've got a a sedentary, loyal workforce as well. So that's one of the big drivers over the last few years. And that is not just 
aligned to law. It's a lot of professional services and a lot of back-officing outsourcing support for IT practices also. Fantastic. So let's talk about some of the structural issues on employing locally. Let's say I'm a US-based company. I want to outsource to Northern Ireland to put my call center in there or, or perhaps my tech support. What are some of the rules and kind of things I need to watch out for? Anything about work councils or unions or do you have affirmative action? Just give us a sense of what the key issues are. Okay. So when I list the various issues that we have to comply with, it will sound as if this is a jurisdiction that has a lot of hurdles and a lot of inconsistent approaches. But actually, there's a really easy way to navigate all of those things. So bear with me. Given the history I've just described being a relatively small jurisdiction on the island of Ireland, we have sources of legislation which come principally from the United Kingdom in the form of the Westminster government in London. Secondly, we have legislation devolved to the local government in Northern Ireland, particularly employment law. So we have London-based law, if you like. Then we have Belfast-based local legislative principles. On top of that, we have a certain amount of EU or European legislation, which still applies pre-Brexit, which has been enshrined in local law, post-Brexit as a consequence of the negotiations between the British government and Brussels generally. So we have three sources, if you like, of legislation, which together creates our statutory framework. And then on top of that, we have our common law principles, which many of your, your listeners will be familiar with. We also have our case law principles, which are both English-based or UK-based, as well as Northern Irish homegrown case law. So we've quite a lot of parts to throw into the melting pot when it comes to what is the legal framework. And then, of course, we have our regulatory body. And there are two principal ones to work with. One is the Equality Commission, which is based in Northern Ireland and ensures and enshrines that all the anti-discrimination legislation is understood, updated, applied and policed. And then we have another organisation called the Labour Relations Agency or the LRA, which is a government-funded body which seeks to try and arbitrate, conciliate and manage employment relations. So that is your first port of call before you get to tribunal or court hearing. So that's what, what's in play from the government and the statutory side. And then on the worker side, we are really quite a heavily unionized jurisdiction still, albeit that the unions really don't have the same powers that you would see in Germany or France, for example, but slightly higher and slightly more powers than you would see in the rest of England, Scotland and Wales, and even in the Republic of Ireland, for example. So quite a lot going on for quite a small jurisdiction. But as I say right at the start of that, that point, Pete, it's eminently navigable. It's a, it's a good place to do business. Enter the need for a good lawyer, right, Gareth? That's always something we'd like to promote at the LA. So let's talk about the general business climate then. Again, you described lots of things coming together in the melting pot. You've got an employee base that wants to stay. You've got an international market that recognizes the talent pool and the overall value of putting workforce there. So what would you say in terms of the general business climate? Is it leaning more pro-business or more pro-employee in your opinion? Yeah. So I would say it's actually pretty much pro-business at present. Whilst we have a lot of statutes and a lot of framework, that is really geared to attract business and to ensure that when business is here, that it acts fairly 
and reasonably towards the employee. So while it enshrines reasonableness of approach and treatment, it is no barrier to entry. And actually, one of the other big pieces which is at play both in Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland is that they both have access to a lot of funding, government funding and central European funding to attract business. So there's a big push on and has been for the last 10, 15, 20 years in both jurisdictions to drive foreign direct investment. And that's been very, very successful because notwithstanding some of the framework uh, and some of the issues about how we derive our legislation and where it comes from, the reality is there's an awful lot of investment opportunity here. Because the other really, really big piece that sets Northern Ireland apart from central London, for example, even though it's the same time zone, it's two big things. For an employer, it's attractive because salary differential is huge. You would be paying probably five or six times more in central London salary per head than you would in Belfast. And secondly, the commercial property costs as well are very, very much cheaper in Northern Ireland than they would be anywhere else in England, Scotland, or Wales, okay? But you combine that then with a lot of government funding in relation to IT, broadband, 5G, 4G. It's been there for a long time. So we have built up this knowledge and ability, and we are tech fast, and probably one of the fastest parts in the United Kingdom so far because of that investment. And that all really plays into what business actually needs. So yeah, at the minute, it's pretty much pro-employer, pro-business. Now, that's not to say that you won't hear certain cases where it seems as if the tribunal judge is pretty much pro-employee or is taking on quite a trade union-friendly agenda, but that is not the norm. That is the exception, and that's based on case fact. So let's talk about our final point here, which is really getting in and out of Northern Ireland, particularly with some of the restrictions that's going on these days. So what are the prospects for cross-border business opportunities, people migrating from one place to the other. Certainly, you know, with Brexit and other issues, that has restricted some things. COVID and other things have also restricted some things. But let's just talk about the immigration standards and, and how easy or difficult it is, rather, to move into Northern Ireland. Okay. So pure immigration in Northern Ireland is it's the same system as shared in the rest of the United Kingdom. So England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland have a shared entry system. And it's not complicated. It's process heavy, Pete, but I think that's pretty much true for most immigration frameworks. But again, it's eminently navigable. And we operate that out of our Belfast office for anyone looking into the rest of the United Kingdom as well. So it's a relatively straightforward process when you know your way through it. It can be quite slow. It can be frustrating whenever certain employees are wanting to come across immediately because, like we talked about, foreign direct investment, they want to establish immediately. So it can be quite slow, but actually it's relatively straightforward. And the really interesting piece to Northern Ireland, which sets it apart from the rest of England, Scotland, Wales, and the UK, is again this post-Brexit piece. Because certainly post-Brexit, there's a huge amount of emphasis has been placed by both Brussels, the Irish government, and the British government to ensure that Northern Ireland should not be negatively impacted by Brexit. Free movement of workers, north and south border continues unfettered. Free movement of employees, prospective employees. So there's no impediment between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland as a consequence of that. And in fact, what we call the common travel area, which is Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, 
has been preserved. No hard border. So it is effectively seamless service. And ditto getting across to the UK in present day post-COVID, or as we live with COVID, what does it look like? Well, as long as we have our COVID passports and illustrate that we have been vaccinated, actually, it's really quite simple to move around. I was over in London two weeks ago, no additional checks and balances, as long as we had pre-approved that we'd had our COVID checks. So actually, it's a tricky one, you know, because if you go online, some of the UK government guidance can be unhelpful. But the reality at ground level is much more straightforward, very pragmatic little jurisdiction over here. And we're just getting on with business. Sounds great, Gareth. Well, I'll tell you, this was an eye opener for me. And I'll tell you what, I think you may want to double up as a travel agent for Northern (laughs) Ireland. The businessman's travel agent would be great because you definitely pitched it well. and, And I learned a lot about this. So it's been a very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. If you'd like to connect with Gareth Walsh, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast. Also visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to our on-demand content in the online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.